Good evening. I don't even know if I need this on tonight. So real quick, just a real quick announcement. Um, we had uh, talked on Sunday about chairs and pews and stuff. Well, we, uh, Rick and Sherry were able to come in and fix a lot of them. And so a lot of them were just weren't bolted down. And we looked at the carpet, and there is green in the carpet, so it does match the, uh, the pews. Now, later on in the future, we're, we're still going to uh, go in that direction, maybe. Uh, but right now, we're holding off on that. We're going to stick with the pews. So uh, we don't have to have a meeting this Sunday. And uh, we had a meeting together as a board, and we were unanimous on that. And so some of you guys are like, what? What happened? <laughs> so what had happened was is we were looking at some of the pews that looked like they were damaged, and some were loose. And we thought, well, we're getting carpet, and we're getting linoleum or vinyl flooring in. I don't know why I say linoleum. That's the old stuff. And we thought about getting chairs in here, but it's it, one is the cost, so we're going to hold off and maybe do some fundraisers. Uh, but we were able to fix what we needed to get fixed. So we don't have to go in that direction right now. But we, but we will pursue it later on. But that's way down the road. You get that? All right. So, all right. That's the only announcement I had tonight. Other than my, next Wednesday, my friend Timothy Grove is going to be here. So I'm excited about that. Yes, Mission Sunday and BGMC next Sunday. So don't forget about that. And also, how many of you guys enjoyed our missionary for this last Sunday? Yeah, they're a wonderful couple. And I got to see them up at our sectional meeting right after that, the next day. And they are a sweet couple. I really like them a lot. So, all right, I'm going to turn it over to Julie. Okay. We're going to go ahead and start worship. If you all want to get on your feet, that's fine. If you're more comfortable sitting tonight worshiping, that's good too. Father, we just come into your house tonight to worship your name, Father. We ask that you would just have your way and move in this service, God. A fresh outpouring of your anointing in Jesus' name. Go ahead, Dennis. Prepare an entrance 
It's your breath in our love. 
we can serve the Lord a long time. And yet there's those times when he says, will you worship me? Will you bow down before me? Will you surrender to me? And can we say in our hearts tonight, there are times when we need to remind ourselves that he is our Lord. Jesus, Lord means master. But Lord, you don't call us servants anymore. You call us friends. And you're the best master that we could ever serve. You are Lord. You're king. You're the ruler of our lives. So, Father, right now, we just say you are our Lord. Lord, you said in your word that you can't even say Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Spirit. Jesus, you are our Lord. Jesus, you're our Lord. Jesus, you're my Lord. You are Lord. Hallelujah. I just pray for whoever that is that you give them the strength and remind them that you are with them to the very end of the age. Thank you, Jesus. We honor and praise you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. I got a couple handouts real quick. If I could get somebody to help me out real quick. If you don't mind handing these out to whoever's next to me. Um, 
I just brought this with me because we may, if we get to it to this night, don't forget next week that my friend Timothy Grove is going to be here. If you haven't seen somebody here for a, a few Wednesdays, let them know. We're, we're, tonight we're going to be talking about Daniel. <laughs> so, um, but we're going to look at the book of Daniel and we're going to look at the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, uh, you know, the, the, third, the third guy is hard to say sometimes. And so just do your best of saying his name. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> this goes within this. Uh, we're in the Old Testament typology of the pre-tribulation rapture. Uh, we're going to be in Daniel chapter 3. We're going to read the whole chapter. I know it's a long chapter, um, but it's important for us to read all of it to get the understanding of it. And, and the title is just, The Jews Are Protected Through the Tribulation. Um, now, what does this have to do with pre-tribulation rapture? Remember I talked about in Daniel chapter 2 that Daniel was what? Exalted to a high place, and he was in the royal court. We have to understand uh, that the tribulation period, the focus is on the Jews, not the Gentiles. And we're going to look at that tonight. And so we're going to be looking at how the Jews are protected through the tribulation. The book of Daniel, especially chapter 3, correlates a lot with the book of Revelation. And you'll see a lot of things that Daniel talks about that we see later on that Jesus talks about and in the book of Revelation. So Matthew chapter 24 is kind of like a synopsis. Same with Luke. And sorry about my voice tonight. Anybody else have this scratchy throat stuff going on and it's passing through? And My wife gets mad at me because I went for a bike ride this morning. She goes, I don't know why you do it when you're not feeling good. And then I halfway through, I'm going, oh. So, <clears throat> but you'll see uh, in the book of Luke, Luke 21 and Matthew 24, both in the Olivet and the Temple Discourse, you know what those are? That's when Jesus, when the disciples ask, Lord, when is, the end, when is all this stuff going to happen? When is, the, when is, the, uh, uh, when, when is all this going to happen? And when is the, the time or the end of the age when you're going to do all these things? And we call that the temple discourse because Jesus is at the temple. And at one moment, he's in the, in the Olive Garden, which is the, not Olive Garden, the food place. But <laughs> uh, <clears throat> where the Garden of Gethsemane, where all the olives were and stuff, we call it the Olive Discourse. So... What we're going to look at tonight is Daniel and the three men that are with him, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So starting in verse 1, it says, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 90 feet high and nine feet wide and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. So the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial, uh, provincial, sorry, my voice, <clears throat> provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, <clears throat> and they stood before it. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, "This is what you are to command. You are commanded to do." O peoples, nations, men of every language, as soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, uh, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. I'm so glad we haven't got to that point yet in our life, right? Persecution. Therefore, as soon as they heard the, the sound of the horn, flute, uh, I, I probably pronounced this wrong, but I'll just say zither. Is that okay? Is it zither, zither? 
<clears throat> lyre, harp, and all kinds of music, all the peoples, nations, and men of every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to the king, to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You have issued a decree, O king, that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold. And that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews who, whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, O king. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? That's the worst thing you could ever say. Because God will show you what he can do. <clears throat> Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, then God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent that the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Let me stop there for a minute. Notice it killed them, but it didn't kill Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yeah, they weren't even killed before they even got in there. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, O king. He said, look, I see four men walking around. I like this. They're just walking around in the fire. Hey, man, let's have a party. I'm sorry. That's just the way I see it in my mind. <clears throat> I got to calm down a little bit with a voice like this. So verse 25, he said, look, I see four men walking around in fire, unharmed, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a head of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Somebody needs to hear that tonight. When you're going through the fiery furnace and the enemy's coming in, God can make you to where you don't even have a hair singed on your head. You don't even smell like smoke. And God protects you through it all. That's the God that we serve. 
Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble, for no other god can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Let's pray. Father, first of all, I pray for my throat, <clears> that, Lord, you will touch it. And all those that are have scratchy throats and are going through a virus, Lord, we come against viruses. We rebuke the attack and infirmities of the enemy. And then, Father, give us understanding that as we study your word, your word is the truth. Open up the eyes of our heart. Pray that those who are listening online will listen and hear. And God, give us again an understanding that will bring us hope that we will not go through the tribulation period. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. And Lord, I get out of the way so you can work. All right. Let's go through this. Let's look at the image. So Nebuchadnezzar, look in verse 1. He, he does what? He builds an image 90 feet high and 9 feet wide, and he sets it up in the plain of Durham in the province of Babylon. And he made it a goal. Now remember in chapter 2, when Daniel gives the interpretation to uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, he tells him, remember last time we looked at it, there's the, the, the statue that he saw in his dream had a head of gold, right? You know, he had a, 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 a chest and arms of silver, right? And then iron, and the next one was iron mixed with clay. I think there was a little bit of pride that came up with Nebuchadnezzar, and he thought, you know what? Nobody's going to be a better kingdom than me. I'm going to make a statue of gold and say, I'm it. <clears throat> so again, why did he build the image? Now, this is from my uh, uh, Full Life Study Bible. Most likely, Donald C. Stamps wrote it. If you don't know who that was, he was the Assemblies of God pastor. He was a scholar. He attended Broken Arrow Assembly of God, actually, here in Oklahoma. And uh, he wrote a lot of the commentary for this Bible. So he writes, Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar may have carried out this proud act because as he had revealed through Daniel, chapter 2, verses 37 and 38, he was the head of gold on the statue in his dream. Nebuchadnezzar's empire had just risen to power. And he was undoubtedly trying to use religion to consolidate the many provinces he had added to his empire. He demanded worship of the image as a means of promoting loyalty to what? Himself. He was not the first nor the last world leader to try to use religion for political purposes or for self-exaltation. How many of you guys know who Nimrod was? Do you ever use that in, I, I hate to say this, but you ever use that in a slang? You mess up, oh man, what a Nimrod. Well, it comes from the Bible. Remember the Tower of Babel? He was in charge of that. <laughs> my dad used to use that slang. Now, quit being a Nimrod. So it's, it's a slang meaning don't be an idiot, right? Well, Nimrod was the one that set up the Tower of Babel. And he wanted what? He wanted prize. He wanted to be praised. He wanted to be, to be recognized. And, and they were unified when they did it. And, of course, God separated them. So I think King Nebuchadnezzar had pride here. He thought, I'm going to be it. Now, does this speak about future events and when will this happen? Let's go to Revelation chapter 13 in your Bibles. So keep your spot in Daniel. We're going to be jumping back and forth. We may not get through all of it tonight, so if we don't, we can pick up in a couple weeks. So Revelation chapter 13, let's look at verses 11 through 18. <clears throat> 
Revelation 13, 11, it says, Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb, but he spoke like a dragon. Who are we speaking of here? The Antichrist, right? He's going to be filled with, Satan's going to possess him. He, he looks like a lamb, a nice guy that everybody's going to come to. He's going to be a leader, right? Um, it was about back in the 1950s, I can't remember the name of the guy that said it, but he was part of the, the League of Rome, and it eventually became the United Nations. And he said, the world needs a leader with all the economic stress. Be God or devil, we don't care, we'll serve him. We'll follow him. Yeah, so people are looking for a leader to fix all the problems we have in the world. Verse 12, he exercised all the authority of the first beast on his behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. Let me go back. So the one with the two horns is probably the false prophet. The second one is the Antichrist. So I needed to get that right, so apologize for that. Verse 13, and he performed great and miraculous signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to earth in full view of men. Because of the signs he was given power to do on behalf of the first beast, he deceived the inhabitants of the earth. He ordered them to set up a what? An image in the honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet he lived. He was given, he was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that it could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be what? To be killed. And then, of course, he goes on to talk about the mark of the beast. He also forced everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on his right hand or on his forehead, so that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. This calls for wisdom. If anyone has insight, let him, let him calculate the number of the beast, for it's man's number. His number is 666. So, how many of you guys know this scripture? Right? So notice in, the, in, in Nebuchadnezzar's time, he sets up an image. Future, what's he going to do? Set up an image for what? Self-worship, same thing, pride. Um, and that's what the Antichrist is doing. Now, here's the interesting, I've talked about this before, but um, during Hitler's time, I think Satan's always had some kind of Antichrist in the wings. I believe Hitler was an Antichrist. Uh, Antichrist means just against, against the anointed one. It means to stand against the anointed one, against the Messiah, right? So when you look at this, they didn't have the technology then, but we do now. That should get us a little bit more concerned, right? Or excited? Listen, if you're not saved, you should be concerned. But if you're saved, if we're living in those times, then we should be excited about it. And you hear me talk about it a lot, but I can't reiterate it enough. The stuff that we're seeing today, we're living in those times. The prophets long to see these days. Think about that for a minute. The prophets long to see these days. And God picked you and I to be born during this time. Hallelujah. I'm excited about that. Because we're seeing a correlation. Daniel talks about an image. How many of you guys have, I wish I would have put it up on the screen. How many of you guys have heard of the thing called the, the, um, the giant man I wish I would have got that up on here so about in during COVID there's these two guys in Europe that have built this giant statue and they want to set it up all over the world one was Las Vegas I think there's one supposed to be in Phoenix one in Denver 
one in New Jersey, and it's this giant, and it, it, it can move its head, it can move its arms, and it's about 100 feet tall. How tall was Nebuchadnezzar's statue? Now, it's interesting because there's a building, go look it up, it's called the giant. I don't know how far they've gotten with it. They wanted to institute it by the time uh, 2022 came along. Well, we're in 2023. We haven't heard nothing about it. It was on the news. But there was a box you can go into and project your image onto that giant. Oh, that's interesting. I'm not saying that that's the image that he's going to use, but the technology is there, right? So, again, does this speak of future events and when will this happen? We know during the tribulation period. Now we're getting to this. Remember, this is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We're going to get to a point here. Look at this. The second beast was given power to give breath to the what? To the image. The first beast. So that the image could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. So, what about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? If they didn't bow down to the image, what happened? They were thrown into the what? Furnace. So I'm giving you a little bit of stuff about the revelation. You're thinking, what's this have to do with the rapture? I'm getting to that. You may not get it tonight, but you'll get it next week or maybe the week after. Well, next week, Timmy's here. So the future event is the tribulation period, and this will happen at the end of the age. What did Jesus say the end of the age would look like? Let's go. Let's go to Matthew chapter 24. Man, I may have to have somebody help me read tonight. But I'll have to have a mic because uh, we're recording online. So it's it's going around the the. the I'm going to go grab the green mic real quick. See, I got a black screen. You guys got the cool looking screen up here. Who wants to read for me verses one through twenty four? Yeah. Thank you for doing that for me. 1 through 29, Matthew 24, 1 through 29. <coughs> then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone will be, shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my namesake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he, endure, he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. 
and then the end will come. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulation, such as, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Then if anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, or there, do not believe it. For false Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. Therefore, if they say to you, look, he is in the desert, do not go out. Or look, he's in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Thank you for reading that for me. Am I still on? Yep. Okay. I had him read all that. Now, we're not going to read Luke because Luke kind of goes into the same stuff. But one thing about Luke, and I like this. Luke says, when you begin to see these things happen, look up for your redemption draws night. Why did we go through all this? Because I want to show you tonight about the pre typology of the pre-tribulation rapture. In Daniel chapter 3, we're gonna, what we're focusing on is that it's Jewish. The, the tribulation period is not for the Gentiles that believe. Now, there's going to be Jews that are saved that are going to be raptured. But it's primarily the focus goes from the Gentiles and, and turns to the Jews. And that's what we're going to start looking at. And we're looking at Shadrach, Meshach, and again, Abednego. They represent the Jews that are going to go through the tribulation period. Okay? Not us. So if, if there's one thing you can get in your mind, the tribulation period, the focus is on who? The Jews. Salvation of the Jews. That's the whole focus of this. So let's go through a little bit of this. If we don't get through this tonight, you guys okay with that? Let's get through some of this. So they ask him, this is what we call the Olivet Discourse, because it's the Mount of Olives. Okay? I called it Olive Garden earlier. I must be thinking about food. But he tells them this in verse 3. He says, As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So the first thing you have to look at is he's, he's saying, what, what's going to happen? He's talking about the temple being destroyed. Well, it did happen. 70 years after Jesus, or AD 70, so it had been a little bit, probably about 40-some years after Jesus uh, ascended to heaven. Uh, the temple was completely destroyed. You can go over to Israel now to this day and you will see where they push the stones 
off the Temple Mount, and it hit the ground and completely crushed uh, the stones below it. In fact, they found the corner of the temple where they would blow the shofar. And so in that area. So what Jesus prophesied happened. And we call that Masada. When the Romans came in, and completely destroyed all the Jews. And they, and they entrapped them up on this fort. So Jesus speaks of that. Of course, I'm not sure if some of the disciples saw some of that. I'm sure John did because he wrote the book of John in AD 90, around that time. And then he says, what will be the sign of your coming? He's talking about the second coming. The rapture and the second coming are two different things. In fact, in one of the scriptures we're going to look at later, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, they thought that they had been left behind and were in the tribulation period. And so mid-tribbers will say, well, he's talking about uh, that the, 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 the rapture's not going to happen until there's the falling away and the man of lawlessness that are going to be revealed and then we'll be raptured out. No, he was talking to the people in Thessalonica. Am I, am I losing anybody here? I'm talking quick and sorry about my voice. But that it's the second coming. Again, what's, what's the next holiday after Halloween? Thanksgiving. But again, I've always shared this. What goes up in stores after Halloween? Christmas. Nobody even thinks about Thanksgiving anymore. It's one of those holidays that just sneaks up on you, and you're like, oh, I need to go get turkey, and I need to get pumpkin pie, and all that stuff, and then you go too late, and it's out of the store, right? So if we're seeing signs in our lifetime of the second coming of Christ, then Jesus has got to be at the door. Now, again, we don't know the day or the hour. I don't set dates. I try to stay away from people that set dates. You know, that's what makes Christians look bad. But you can look at the seasons, okay? I'm getting to a point here. And then he says, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming, which is the second coming, and of the end of the age? What's the age he's talking about? We're going to look at this tonight. It's the church age. So grab your sheet here. When we go to Daniel chapter 9 later on, but you can grab this sheet here. I gave this to you because it gives you the years. Daniel talks about in Daniel chapter 9 that there's seven sevens. What's seven times seven? 49. Then he says there's 62 sevens. That comes out to 434. You add those together, and it comes out to 483 years. Daniel says from the time that this decree is issued, that God gave him this decree, that there would be 483 years. He's basically doing the time, right? Seven times seven sevens and 62 sevens from the time the, the Messiah was cut off. And scholars to this day, even Jewish scholars, believe it was to the exact day. The exact day. Jesus died on the exact day that Daniel prophesied. So, then you have, you have seven years that are missing, because you have 69 sevens, right? And so there's 69 sevens, there's seven years that are missing. The weeks represent years. Those seven years are what we call the tribulation period. You guys see your sheets? But in between that, we call that the church age. So when the disciples said, when will be the signs or the, the signs of your coming and the end of the age? What age is he talking about? He's talking about the church age. So that's important for you to understand. And I believe that the end of the church age, which I think we're getting close to that, 
that's when we are taken up. <clears throat> so let's go back to Daniel. Daniel chapter 2. We're going to look at who is the second beast. So did I say Daniel chapter 2? I meant Daniel chapter 9. I apologize, guys. Daniel chapter 9. It's up on the screen. I apologize. See what happens when you're not feeling good and your mind goes wanders. And... But look at verses 26 and 27. Verses 26 and 27. He says right here, let's, let's start in verse 25. No one understand this from the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the ruler, comes. There will be seven sevens and sixty-two sevens. It will be rebuilt with streets and a trench, but in the times of trouble. After the sixty-two sevens, the anointed one will be what? Cut off. So he's going to be crucified and will have nothing. The people of the ruler who will come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end will come like a flood. War will come until the end, and desolations have been decreed. He will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. In the middle of the seven, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering. And on a wing of the temple, he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. Now again, I'm, 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 we're, we're in Daniel chapter 2. I'm trying to give you a little picture of what the end times are going to be like and how it correlates to Daniel. So let's go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. You notice he's talking about the lawless one. Am I losing anybody tonight on this? Am I keeping anybody? Is this all making sense? Okay. Sometimes I can get a little wordy on my stuff, and then everybody's like, what is he talking about here? And I have a method to my madness, I promise you. So 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, look in verse 1. They thought the, the, they thought the rapture had happened and they'd been left behind and they are in the tribulation period. He says, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy, report, or letter supposed to have come from us, saying that the day of the Lord has come. Stop there for a minute. Underline day of the Lord. The day of the Lord that he's referring to there is the second coming. Or... Honestly, not so much the second coming, but uh, to the tribulation period when God's going to bring his destruction on the earth. Verse 3, don't let anyone deceive you in any way for that day will not come until the rebellion or falling away occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or his worship so that he sets himself up in God's temple proclaiming himself to be what? God. What did Nebuchadnezzar do? He set up a, a statue of gold and he wanted people to do what? Worship him. Correlation. Book of Daniel. Old Testament. It's going to happen in the tribulation period. Verse 5. Don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things? And now you know what is holding him back so that he may be revealed at the proper time. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work. But the one who holds it back will continue to do so until he is what? Taken out of the way. That's describing you and I, the church. Listen, and the Holy Spirit indwells believers. 
when, when, the, when the rapture happens, we're taken out of the way. But you know the Holy Spirit still brings people to Christ during the tribulation period. So we know the Holy Spirit doesn't leave the earth, right? Because people get saved during the tribulation. We call them the tribulation saints. I, 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 I want you to realize that we are the ones holding back the Antichrist from coming on the scenes. Right? Who fights against all ungodliness? Who should be taking a stand in their government and saying, hey, don't do these things. This is wrong, right? Um, so we're going to be taken out of the way. There's going to be a falling away. You've heard me preach on that, the apostasy that takes place. But we're already seeing apostasy, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to get even worse. Remember we read in Matthew, he says, some will be offended by the faith or, or turn from the faith. Um, Paul says it in uh, 1 Timothy, I think it's 1 Timothy 4, that many will depart from the faith in the last days. Spiritly clear, clearly says many will depart from the faith. <clears throat> so then in verse 8, And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan, displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles and signs and wonders, and every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. So one of the, what's the first thing that Jesus said on the Mount of Olives? What's the first thing he said is a warning of the end of the age when all these things are going to begin to happen. Do not be what? Deceived. Do not be deceived. Deception, how many of you guys have seen deceptions everywhere now? That there's no truth, you can't, you can't watch the news because you don't know what, I watched a clip and almost, they showed all these news stations around the world, all around the world, not just in the States, and they were all saying the same thing. The same thing. And this is what we would consider conservative news and liberal news. They were all saying the same thing. How about these UFO things that they say, right? Deception. How about, read my book, Seven Wonders of How to Be Successful in This Life. In the last days, they won't put up with sound doctrine. So deception's gonna be the number one thing we need to look out for. We don't follow a man, we follow Jesus. And, and he says there's gonna be a strong delusion that God puts over these people. The ones that, I mean, think about it. Do you guys see a strong delusion happening on people today? I mean, they don't even know who they are, right? They don't know if they're man, woman, it. I mean, well, yeah, in, in one of the public schools somewhere, I don't remember was, they set up a cat litter box in the classroom for the child to go to the bathroom because they thought they were a cat. That, that, in the United States. I'll probably be kicked off Facebook for that, but I don't care. But that's where we're at, delusion. Delusional, crazy. Burbank, California, they stopped calling manhole covers, manhole covers. They, they tried to make it gender neutral. You can't, really? A manhole cover? I mean, but that's, that's where we're at. And this is worldwide. So we're seeing things 
in our day that should give us hope. Now I know we're going to go back to Daniel, but we wanted to, we we needed to find out who the second beast is, and that is what we called what the Antichrist. Listen to what he says, First John, chapter two, verse eighteen. Dear children, this is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. So like Nebuchadnezzar, the Antichrist will set up an image. I believe, again, Nebuchadnezzar was a type of Antichrist. Who was he killing? Those that wouldn't bow down to his image. Nimrod was a picture of that. You go throughout all history and you will see that men that do this are tyrants and they want to be what? Worship. What was the one of the reasons why Adam and Eve fell in the garden? Your eyes will be open and you will be like what? God. There's just something about man that wants to be in charge, right? We don't want to bow to God. It's a pride issue. So again, like Nebuchadnezzar, the Antichrist will set up an image. I know I went into a lot. So Nebuchadnezzar forced all to fall down and worship the image, and likewise the Antichrist will do the same thing. Right? We talked about that. The second beast, look at this, was given power to give breath to the image. We've read this already, but I want to read it again. Of the first beast, so that the image could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be what? Killed. Do you see how Satan repeats himself? Now, it's interesting. I don't have this up on my screen, but I did a series on the book of Revelation. I don't know if you guys had ever, would you guys ever be interested in the book of Revelation on a Wednesday night? I got some hands, so maybe I'll go with something else. Um, but in Pergamum, and Jesus speaks in the book of Revelation. Remember the, 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 the church in Pergamum. And he talks about it being the seat of Satan, right? And the, the Germans back in 19, uh, I think it was 1929, 1930, went over to, went over to that area, over to western uh, Turkey. Or uh, yeah, be Western Turkey, which is Asia Minor, and they they call it the seat of Zeus. It's Zeus's seat. It's a it's a it's an altar to Zeus, but it looks like a seat. They tore it down and rebuilt it in Germany. Nine years later, Hitler came to power, and it's still there today. And you guys remember the video I showed with Michelle Bachman, with the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab. Where was Caesar first inaugurated at? In Davos, Switzerland. That whole area. And Klaus Schwab's daddy built armor for Hitler during World War II. And he's calling this the Fourth Industrial Revolution. Transhumanism. You could just say it's called the Fourth Reich. Only he's not doing it by taking over armies. He's doing it through taking over minds. I know it sounds conspiracy, but I, we're seeing what happened with Nebuchadnezzar, what happened with Hitler, and it's happening now. Do you guys see where I'm getting with this all? So where was Daniel at this time? And I don't know why, I, that looks weird. Where was Daniel at this time and would have Daniel bowed down? So remember the scripture? Then the king placed Daniel in a high position, lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all of his wise men. Moreover, at Daniel's request, 
The king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego a ministers over the province of Babylon, while Daniel himself remained where? We're at the royal court. So he wasn't out there where the image is. Again, I share this with you. Where was Daniel? He was exalted to a high position. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're bowing down to face the image. Again, a picture of the rapture of the church. I'm reiterating what we talked about a few weeks ago, but it's all there. You're not reading into things. God is clearly speaking prophetically in the Old Testament what he's going to do in the New Testament. Enoch, remember what we shared? He was taken before the flood. But Noah and his family represented the Jews going through the flood. But God protects them. I mean, God speaks it throughout the Bible. Hallelujah. We're not going to go through the flood. We're not going to go through the tribulation. Thank goodness there's not going to be another flood. So where will we be when the Antichrist is revealed? We already read that, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. We'll be where? In heaven. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds it back will continue to sell, continue to do so until he is what? Taken out of the way. How many of you guys want to be taken out of the way? <clears throat> yeah, me too. I was hoping it was this week, but it didn't happen. That's why you don't set dates. <laughs> right? I'm telling you, the Feast of Trumpets, I watched that. If you ever get a chance, go, go on. You, there, there was a, his name's Richard, uh, Dr. Richard uh, Heal. And he's a Messianic rabbi. And so Messianic means he's a born-again believer, but he's Jewish. So they, and, and he teaches. He talked about the Feast of Trumpets, and he said, it's the only feast that doesn't have to fall on that feast day. Because it used to be in the springtime, but the rabbis moved it. And it's also the, the last trumpet to be blown on the Feast of Trumpets is called the Last Trump. And it's the only feast that has trumpets. The only feast. And Jesus fulfilled all the spring feasts and Pentecost. You remember me talking about that? So one of these years, when that trumpet blows, I think that's going to fulfill. Whether, and that's what makes it imminent. Because it doesn't have to fall on the Feast of Trumpets weekend. Because the date's messed up. So it, that's why it makes it imminent. Imminency. It could have, wouldn't that be great if it happened right now? Man, that'd be great. I feel bad for my cats, but and my dog, but which I don't want to bring up the dog issue. But anyways, what happened to my scriptures? Oh, oh, it didn't come up here. So I'll read it. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one could shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. That's Revelation three eight. Then it says this, since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to entest the inhabitants of the earth. That's the Philadelphia church. That's the remnant church. That's you and I. We have a promise from Scripture right here in the book of Revelation. Why am I sharing all this? Pre-tribulation rapture. It's Jewish. The tribulation is Jewish. We have a promise right here. That if we keep his word, we have not denied his name. Though we're a little strength, he's going to keep us from the hour of tribulation. One of the words for the trial is tribulation. Hallelujah. Why do I believe in the pre-trib rapture? Because it's right there. Right. Next scripture. After this, this is Revelation 4.1. I looked, and there before me was a door standing open to heaven. Oh, I can't wait for that door to open up. Right? And the voice I heard first heard speaking to me like a what? Everybody say trumpet. 
Oh, I had one person excited about it. Two people, sorry. He said, come up where? Up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. In the book of Revelation, right after chapter 4, verse 1, you don't hear about the church until chapter 19, and then there's the wedding supper of the Lamb. And that is cool. We're in heaven. But God demonstrates his own love for us while for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Do you get that? What's God's wrath? The tribulation period. Again, it's not for the believer. It's not for you and I. It's to reach the Jews. Right there. I love that. That's one of my favorite scriptures. Romans chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. When I got quite a few scriptures here, okay? If I go through them too quick, let me know. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9. For God did not appoint us to suffer what? Wrath. But to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And he had just spoken after talking about the rapture of the church. Remember, they didn't set up chapters back then. They didn't have chapters. We have chapters in our Bibles, but they didn't. So he's continuing in the thought. Remember? In chapter 4, he talks about the Lord's going to come down with a, a shout and with the, with the loud command, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God. And we who are still alive will be caught. Those who are still alive, will, wait. Those who have died will be, uh, uh, thank you. It's my voice. Amen, brother. These words. And then in chapter 5, he goes on to say we don't suffer wrath. Why am I pointing all this out? I'm trying to build a case for the pre-tribulation rapture in the Old Testament by pointing to chapter 3 that it's Jewish. Okay? Now, let's look at the men. Let's go back to Daniel. We'll probably finish with this. Daniel chapter 3. Look, look in verses 8. 8 through 12. So they're brought before King Nebuchadnezzar. And then it says, verse 8, At this time some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You have issued a decree, O king, that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, lyre, it's actually lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, must fall down and worship the image of gold. And that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into the blazing furnace. But there are some Jews, I like that, but there are some Jews, whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, O king. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. So these are the men, right? So who were these men? Who do these men represent? They represent two things. They represent those in the tribulation who will not bow down to the image of the beast and they will be put to death. So there will be tribulation saints that will, won't bow down. They're going to be beheaded. So beheading is going to happen in the tribulation period. Where did I get that scripture from? They represent the Jews in the tribulation who will oppose the Antichrist and his religious system. And they will flee into the wilderness and they will be protected by God. And we're going to look at the scriptures there in a minute. So what do we got here? We got, they represent two things, right? They represent those that will serve the Lord, tribulation saints, and they represent those who will not bow down to the image. 
point. We're going to hold off on this one. It's five after eight. I don't want to put anybody to sleep tonight, so I know it's tired, but listen. We're going to look at next time where God protects them in the wilderness and how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, where were they protected? In the furnace. We're going to look at the seven years hotter, or the seven, the seven times hotter and the seven years of the tribulation. I'm bringing all this together. We're going to look in Romans, how God talks about the fullness of the Gentiles to come in. And once that does, the focus is on the Jews. So that anybody, the reason why we go through this lesson is anybody who says, well, the pre-tribulation rapture, that's old news. Some pastors don't even teach on it. Well, I don't even get into that stuff. Some pastors don't even teach in the book of Revelation. They're too scared to. Listen, how many of us are still learning about Scripture? Still figuring things out. I would rather take a chance of going through the Bible, make some mistakes, than not to do it at all. So it's important that we need to be prepared for this, to give an answer, to tell people, because I believe, and I don't know what you feel, but I believe we're in that end of the age. I do. Now, I know, and here people are fulfilling prophecy when they do this. When they say, well, we've heard that our whole life. Well, you know what Peter says? Those are called scoffers. And that's, that, that actually is a prop. They don't even know it. They're fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Hallelujah. Well, there's another prophecy, right? And it's, it's, it's happening. If you preach on this in the church, you look down on them. It didn't happen, though, up at sectional council. They were talking about the pre-tribulation rapture. They brought it up. I liked it. Our superintendent goes, man, that horn could go now. That's what I love about our denomination. We still preach the truth of God's word. So guys, be prepared. The reason why you're learning this, anybody ever has an answer, go to Isaiah 26. He says we're gonna, he's going to take us into his room and hide us for a while. So be prepared. Study the Bible. We do more of a study lesson here on Wednesday nights, and the reason for that is so that we can be taught. Because when I'm preaching, sometimes you guys can't keep up, right? But as we're going through this as a lesson, it's easy to write down the notes. So I believe in the pre-tribulation rapture. And I... I can't wait. I, man, I hope I'm at Walmart of all places. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. Wouldn't that be great if there's several of us at Walmart? Hey, pastor, hey, pastor. And then we're telling somebody about Jesus, and I'll boom, we're gone. So one, one last announcement. There is a movie coming out um, called Still Alive. And i got to see if it's going to be playing at a theater. Angel Studios is putting it out. It's called Still Alive. And Don Piper, he was a Baptist minister that was killed back in the 1984 in a car, and he came, he went, he died, and went to heaven, and came back to life. They're going to be taking real life stories of people that have died and gone to heaven, and died and gone to hell. And and so, if you know anybody, I'm going to see, I'm going to, I'm going to look to see if it's playing in the movie theater. You can go online on Angel Studios and get free tickets. But I want to invite as many lost friends as we know. And take them to the movie theater. Because a lot of them just don't realize one last breath, that's it. And some of these people got second chances, but most of the time, now that's rare. So if you get a chance, I'm going to do some more digging in. October 3rd is when it's supposed to come out in the movie theaters. Wouldn't that be great? Our church just invites a bunch of lost people. Or people that are on the fence. Hey, come on, there's a great movie. It's called Still Live. They might think it's like a, don't tell them what it's all about. Be sneaky. 
Shrewd as a, you know, he says be innocent as a dove, as shrewd as a viper, right? So, yeah, just say, hey, man, this movie still lives out. Come on, it's going to be a really great movie. And then it, it's called Still Alive, I believe. Uh, go to Angel Studios, the one that puts out The Chosen. So, anyways, if you get a chance, that's my last announcement. And, again, we're, we're, we're staying with the pews for right now. So, listen, chairs don't matter, souls matter. Right? So, invite people if you know them. Don't forget about Trunk or Treat. We need, sign, we need people to sign up for Trunk or Treat to help out. We don't got enough people on there, so we need more people. And candy. More candy. Because whatever's left over, I get to eat. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding with you. God bless you. Have a great night.